Welcome to machine learning. Well, uh, completed the intro for the Python programming, which is really interesting. But uh, it uh, was, uh, and I'm starting the beginning of the pipelines. So pipeline programming is um, basically ETL, extract, transform, and load. Now the question is, is where you're gonna put the data. <clears throat> now, a lot of this data that they are talking about is big data. Um, so big data is being collected from a large number of people and uh, you're talking millions, if not billions of rows of data, lots and lots of data. And uh, it's stored in what they call data lakes. And so uh, different devices are collecting that uh, information and uh, it's, uh, and then it's sitting in the data lake and needing to be analyzed. And so uh, the way it's brought in to the cluster, um, like say we're, you know, we're dealing with a Spark, uh, Apache Spark server, and uh, we're gonna use uh, PySpark as the driver to it. Uh, we would then, uh, we would need a, a way to bring the data in and that's called ingestion. So uh, ingestion is basically extract from your source, transform, and load. Uh, and so um, it's going to go through some uh, different uh, stages. First one is your, your landing space, which uh, uh, what, what you're going through is landing space, cleaning, and then eventually business and business is where you're going to do your visualization and your machine learning pipelines on so when you get that data to that level then you you have uh, you have a, a source that you can now consume and uh, use to make decisions help make decisions on the business data so uh, it's, uh, there is kind of a, a big investment in terms of uh, architecture in teams that do different functionality and uh, and then uh, producing um, reports that are are helpful to the business to understand what's going on and uh, you know once you get to the data level it's our business level uh, everyone can get access to that data. Now, that doesn't mean that the sensitive information is gonna be granted out to, to everyone. But uh, what it means is that um, everyone's need for information uh, according to what their job is, uh, is, being, is accessible and can be provided for. So one of the big problems with data has been is getting, retrieving the data. And this is now uh, in a form that can be easily retrieved, whether it's spreadsheets, Tableau, Power BI, Domo. There's a lot of different tools now that can be used for extraction and analysis. 
and uh, and so when you get the um, when you get the data extracted, then we start looking at uh, uh, the things that we can do with that data. Um, analytics, predicting trends, and I, and I'm almost wondering, you know, like when you look at uh, different strategies that have been really effective in terms of uh, uh, designing data. One that I liked is lots of small queries or small views uh, for linking data together, and then uh, once I have that. Using that as uh, as a different source of fact, so lots of little fact tables versus one large fact table with all the data, um, and and very specific to a domain of idea. <clears throat> so it gets lots of domains of knowledge or different perspectives on that data. Um, and the and. Uh, and then the question becomes is uh, how do you tell the story? What does the data story tell you? And uh, that, that's kind of an interesting blend there of business, understanding how business works, case study analysis, um, business analysis, and, and just seeing what the data uh, is tr is telling you in terms of behavior what can be predicted from the data so there's going to be you have to figure out if it's classification data continuous data um, you can also have it learned by goals so reinforcement learning learned by goal genetic algorithms where uh, it's you know looking for the best uh, best model and, and that was real interesting when genetic algorithms were applied to uh, hypertuning uh, where the best uh, model and the best parameters were discovered through hyper for hypertuning more efficient way of searching a lot of different paths to find the best model because we, as we stated, is uh, you have to, in order to get all the parameter possible combinations, you have to do a product, and um, uh, and that and that that means that as you increase the features, it increases exponentially. So at, at 32 features, you have two to the 32nd power of possible combinations. So the system is going to get bogged down. And it, it is really quite amazing how our brain has managed uh, to efficiently tune uh, our classifiers, whether it's through biological uh, adaption and also this idea that um, we... Uh, uh, strong patterns survive, certain traits mutate or change, and that, that uh, change allows for greater adaption. And, uh, and so 
then you get as it gets uh, as the genetic algorithm reproduces or replicates each generation should be getting better or getting closer to a solution um, so you know once you have a well-tuned cla classifier then you want to put it in your pipeline and then you have two aspects of the pipeline one is uh, for text and the other is for numbers you can just do a text pipeline if you want to you can have different uh, classifiers you can have a uh, a uh, naive Bayesian classifier you can have uh, logistic regression you can have SVM um, SVM and uh, you could have random force and these different classifiers then we, uh, we can we can pull and find out which one is the best so maybe maybe it's going to be the neural net the multi MLP uh, classifier well so then you once you have your data your, you can, uh, you know, you, you have your, your notes and then you have PySpark. You can start writing PySpark um, pipelines and, arc, and create architectures to answer business questions. And even make decisions because you can feed uh, the results of one probability into another network and so they call that stacking and then we you can see which one like in an ensemble which one has the best predictions well and what does that mean well it means that let's say at the bottom of your network you have a deep learning network a Keras network that's looking at these outputs that there are probabilities or predictions that uh, these different networks are, are making. Like, for example, maybe uh, Keras will predict one way and so forth. And, oh, sorry, you have random forest, you have uh, K-nearest, K uh, S-support vector machine, logistic regression. Um, and then you have them making predictions. Now their, their prediction outputs then would become the input to the Keras and then it could learn from the, basically learn from the classifiers uh, what they think that the predicted problem uh, outcome would be. And then it could there's going to be cases where certain classifiers are more correct than other classifiers in certain data conditions and uh, the Keras can learn from that and so uh, it'd be interesting to see in terms of a stacked architecture what type of applications were being used uh, with that stacked architecture to come up with uh, predictions and whether those predictions were better. 
because of the hidden layer capability of the Keras network. Well, and then I started looking at, uh, you know, cluster technology and uh, wanting to set up a Apache server and PySpark and uh, set up my uh, Spark cluster. But then when I started to look at it, it's like, well, I'm going to need to have a server and it looked like maybe the server needs to have about 64 gig of RAM and certain level of hard drive but you know that's really reasonable so then I started looking at Azure Databricks and they they have a cluster out there and it says that you can get access to uh, 200 or 2,000 cores so a lot of computational power but uh, you know at the same time there's be a lot of cost but maybe it's relative cost I mean relative it could be relative to uh, installing and maintenance of the cluster versus um, installing it yourself. I'm not sure what those trade-offs are, but right now that's not an option. I don't have the money for Azure Databricks, but maybe they have uh, an introduction piece, and I'm going to go take a look. But uh, even at a lot of the universities that have clusters, uh, it seems like that they're really kind of uh, uh, stingy about uh, usage on the cluster because of you know the cost. So uh, there, there's probably some really good value with that much data and being able to you know get visibility from the data what was what is going on. However. Uh, It's, uh, it's not really necessarily going to be cheap to get that kind of understanding. So I imagine that there's like a whole level of training and schooling that could go with cluster technology. And uh, I'm not sure that that's the direction I'm going to go. I know that uh, as soon as I'm done with DataCamp, I've, there's a couple of books that uh, were recommended by uh, some of other programmers, and I'll probably sit down and read those books and continue to um, expand on my statistics uh, and practice those and uh, and try to to keep uh, working to understand better uh, how to analyze complex data sets. So I did find a, there was a lot of value in um, the Kaggle competition course because it, it talked a lot about um, how to get your model to perform well. But I, I did like... Uh, um, one of the courses on understanding uh, logistic regression and coefficients, especially the coefficients, because I started realizing that you you could um, analyze your data 
by categories, and then you can draw conclusions about uh, behavior between the categorical data. And that was something that I hadn't seen before, and they were using the coefficients um, to grab probabilities and also they were looking at times, durations, and uh, cost. And so that you're under getting a better understanding then of like between different airports, what the, pro what the average uh, time that you might be uh, between the two airports. Okay, well, I will talk soon.